Welcome to Rad Reading, a bookish podcast where the R stands for Refresh and the D stands for Discover, and where we try to help you do those two things for your reading life. I'm Ronnie Lauren, a best-selling romance author who likes her reading life to be big on variety and full of complicated characters. And I'm Don Alexander, an indie editor who never met a whodunit she didn't want to solve or an intricate plot she didn't want to untangle. We are two very different readers, but two very good friends who love to talk books. Join us as we tackle reading roadblocks, give our best bookish tips, and of course, recommend all the great reads that have kept us turning the pages that week. Let's get started. Welcome back to Rad Reading. I'm Dawn. And I'm Ronnie. And today is our reading upgrade week. So each week we have a theme and our reading upgrade theme this week is how to be a shameless reader because we are not here for the reader shame. We are not. No. Dawn, have you ever felt shame as a reader? Not really, because I was raised generally in a read whatever you want. Like I was a huge Judy Bloom fan and was reading some things way before I should have been reading them. And then whenever I talked to my mom about it as an adult, she was like, well, I figured if you were old enough to read those words, you would let me know if you were having issues. So I really never had that feeling. Yeah, I grew up in a similar household with my mom. Let me read what I wanted to read. I was reading Flowers in the Attic way, way too young, um, but I loved Flowers in the Attic. So I was glad she allowed me to read it. But um, yeah, so I didn't have shame in my household about reading. But when I started writing erotic romance, um, I definitely didn't know anybody else at the time who was even reading that. So I remember having that like, feeling of like, wait, people are going to know not only am I writing this, but that I'm reading this in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had to work through that. This was a long time ago, so I'm way past that now. But I think reader shame is an issue that a lot of readers deal with because people can be really judgy about what people are reading and we're not here for it, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So today we're going to help you break through that shame and we're going to be shameless ourselves. So just a fair warning Yes, we have a clean rating. We're not going to be cursing and everything. However, because of the nature of this episode, um, you probably don't want to have little ears listening to this. So if you're listening to this with your kids in the car, maybe save it for later when you're by yourself, um, because we will be talking about steamier topics and things because of the shame um, portion of this. So you've been warned. This is your warning. Turn it off now and save it for later. Otherwise, proceed. Unless you want to answer some really awkward questions and that's not in our job description. So you are on your own there. Right. Right. So Don, when we talk about reader shame, what does that look like to you? For me, it's the language people use use when they describe books. And of course, being an editor and being a lifelong reader and a former teacher, I am very tuned into the kind of language that people are using and the word choice And so especially with romance, the word smut, we could do a whole show on how much Dawn hates the word smut because it's so derogatory and it so makes it seem like you're doing something bad. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of labels that fall under this. So I take issue with the word clean, like some romances are labeled clean romance. And what does that mean? Like in real life, if we have a romance, most of the time we are going to want to sleep with that person. So we don't have a clean romance if you're sleeping with your, your partner or something. So I don't love that term. It also means that the other side is dirty. Um, and then I really get irritated with trashy or cheesy and even some readers, like people who are pro reading, who do reading podcasts and, you know, I love their shows and things, but anytime romance comes up, 
the word cheesy ends up coming into the term. And I'm like, why, why is it cheesy to fall in love, to find somebody who respects you, to have books that have consent in it, to have books where women are getting what they want? Like, how is that cheesy? So I get a little hackle up, you know, and I know I have a dog in this fight because I am a romance writer and reader. Um, but yeah, that one really irritates me too, is the cheesy term. So Dawn, you had another one too that irritates Oh yeah. Me. The other one that will just send me into a heated discussion is the term mommy porn. Mm-hmm. Because first of all, we are all adults. We don't have to read romance to fulfill that. If I want to read porn, I can read porn. And it's so derogatory because we don't call the books that men read like the James Bond books that have their characters sleeping with everything that moved. That's not daddy porn. So why are we mommy porn? Right. Plus the term mommy should only be used by our children when they are small. Yes. <laughs> so no yeah. one needs to be referring to me as a mommy. Um, <laughs> I am a mother. Yes. Or a mom, but it's so what's that word how you say it infantilizing um I'm probably saying that wrong but y'all know what I mean and then even chiclet the term chiclet kind of pushes this button for me so I know a lot of us embrace some of these terms because we had to like you'll have romance bloggers that have the word smut in their title and stuff and it's fine because they're trying to embrace you know what it is not calling it smut um but with the chiclet thing it also makes it like sound childlike like it's a chiclet. It's a sweet little, you know, nothing mm-hmm. book. It doesn't matter. It doesn't count because it, you know, it's a woman's book. Um, so all of those things are both overt and subtle ways to shame people for what they're reading and beyond making us feel small and young. It also is very, very sexist because it's almost yes. always about books that women are reading and not that men are reading because everybody has their books that have fast moving plots or that have formulaic plots and things. And dudes have those too, but they don't get called out, you know, with all these crazy names um, to diminish them. So, well, and I looked all over for this meme because I saw it at one point and then it just vanished off the internet. I can't find it anymore, but it makes a point of how everybody makes fun of the romance genre when the whole point of the romance genre is generally it said the meme pointed out that it sets up unrealistic expectations for women. And normally those expectations are to be able to be vocal about what you want, to be able to enjoy sex and to end up with a person who takes care of you and makes you happy. Right. And that they take care of back. So it's not, you know, we're being swept away necessarily, but yeah, I agree. And really why shame other people anyway? Because if it's not hurting you or bothering you, you don't have to read it. If you don't like romance, no worries. If you don't like cozy mysteries, no worries. But why do you have to pick on somebody else for what they read? They're reading and you're probably not. (laughs) So those people that are picking on are usually not even reading anything. So, well, and I get so frustrated with the, oh, you work with those books. Mm -hmm. Yes. The really entertaining ones that people actually buy and is literally a billion dollar industry. Yes. That's exactly where I work. Right. Yeah. And I get the same thing, but you write those books. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, my opinion on it is if it doesn't hurt you or someone else, it is nobody else's business. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people also assume that if you are writing or reading this stuff that you are actually doing all of the things in the book, So I get this all the time. So I have written 
kinky erotic romance, right? So people assume like when I go to book signings and stuff, sometimes I think they assume I'm going to walk in in like full black leather with like, you know, the chain bracelets and everything. Y'all, I am like the most bookish, quiet, like <laughs> low key person. So that is not my life. I can write fiction, you guys. Like I can write things that are pretend. Um, and that doesn't mean I don't enjoy reading and, and all of the things, you know, that I read about, but it doesn't mean I'm doing all of those things. But if I did, it's not your judgment anyway. <laughs> whoever you're, whoever's out there judging me, not you personally who are listening. We know you are not judgmental people who right. are listening to us. Well, um, and I just have to say, as the person who generally accompanies you to these book signings, <laughs> I would love just one time for you to walk out in like full leather and... <laughs> will never happen. <laughs> no, no, it never happened, but it would be hilarious. Yeah. Well, and I think also with romance, there's this perception of, oh, if you're reading romance, there's something wrong in your relationship. Mm-hmm. There's something missing in your marriage. There's something. And I distinctly remember having a conversation with someone that where they pointed out, well, do you realize that when women read those romance novels, they put themselves in that main character's place and that acts as a, a vessel for them and I'm like yes I absolutely <laughs> realize that that's exactly in I've been married a really long time I'm not missing anything in my marriage I just like reading these books right and for those men out there who don't want their wives reading romance because they think that it's I don't know cheating or like looking away from them or whatever like I'm telling you guys sometimes romance novels, sometimes romance novels are prescribed to women who are having, you know, arousal problems and different things. Like it's only going to be good news for your partner. Yes. If you're reading these books because you're going to, you will benefit. (laughs) People will finish books and go find their partner and go, Hey, how are you doing? Um, so the whole thing with men feeling insecure about women reading, and I have not had this experience. My husband's like, what are you reading? And when I'm like a mystery, he's like, Oh, yeah. Can you read one of the sexy books instead? Yeah. Um, so yeah, men should not be afraid or women, you know, any of their partners reading anything steamy because it's probably only going to help your relationship and enhance things. Remind a mom who's been tired and taking care of the kids all day that, oh, she is a woman and likes, you know, this kind of stuff. Like that's a good thing. That's only a good thing. But so let's talk about some of the reasons why people, the traditional reasons that people get judgy over. Yeah. Cause it's not just romance. That's the ones that, you know, stick out the most, but there's a couple of different categories. The first is the obvious one. So a book has sex in it. If the book is a romance, a sexy young adult book, um, kinky books, even LGBTQ books, those will get shamed as the smut or the, you know, steam and all of that stuff that we talked about before. So that's the most obvious category, but there are other ones. Gons, what's, what's the next one? Well, I want to pop in real quick on the sexy YA books. If you have teenagers and you are worried about them reading the YA books that have sex in it, as someone who taught high school for 18 years, I have a newsflash for you. And that is that teenagers already know what sex is and often are already involved in it on some level. So it's not that those books are a how-to guide for them. Right, right. Yeah, they're not going to be scandalized by the YA. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, no. Um, The other part where we see this is books that have violence in them. And that can be the thrillers, the mysteries, um, true crime. A lot of times people look down on that because they think that it's like sensationalizing a tragedy. Mm -hmm. And um, 
horror, which we've already talked about, I don't do. But I will have to say, I don't do horror because as we have established, I'm a big fat chicken. It has nothing to do with me looking down on the genre. It has to do with, I like to sleep. Right. And it's so interesting to me about the horror thing because a book could be horror now. And a lot of times it'll get labeled quote unquote thriller because they don't want people to do that. It's cheesy horror thing, Um, but it's actually horror and it's Mm -hmm. just in a thriller label. So they'll try to sneak it through, but yeah, why, why is horror different? You know, cause I mean, think about when Stephen King came out, it was like, oh, they're dime store novels or they're trash. He's a fantastic writer of our generation. Like he is a big, like people will study him and all of that, you know? So, but he was writing these books that were in a genre that wasn't respected. Um, another one is, and I see this a lot, you know, in my own genre, but books that have certain type of covers. So shirtless man covers, which, which are my favorites. <laughs> I have no problem with that at all. Right. Um, historicals that have like the bodice ripper style cover. And that's another kind of derogatory term that you'll hear about romances, the bodice ripper for historical romances. Yes. Back in the day, many bodices were ripped. <laughs> <laughs> there were bodice pieces just flying everywhere. <laughs> historical romances back in the day could be kind of rapey. Um, and there are lots of reasons why women were reading those then because they weren't allowed to enjoy sex or like it so they had to read these things that things were forced and so it was giving an outlet for that there's all kinds of things i'm not going to get into it because i can write an essay but um most bodices are not getting ripped you know (laughs) anymore and i think some of those historical covers are gorgeous like with the beautiful dresses and everything um they get the cheesy label and i don't historical romance is hard to write you have to write in a time that you did not live so there's lots of research involved in it and all of that. And those authors get, you know, put down for what they're writing. And it's not fair when a, his- a historical novel gets all the credit for all that historical research. But if you put romance in it, not so much. Um, cartoonish rom-com covers, you know, so they look like, you know, cartoons now or illustrated covers is how we refer to them. People are saying, you know, those are cheesy books because they have drawings on them instead of Right. They they can't have serious stories in them. They can't have a good solid conflict or a good literary worthy tale in them because it's a cartoon on the cover. Right. Right. And cartoon covers are just a trend. So all these cover things are just trends that come and go and the stories underneath, um, you know, are what matter. So, and the other one is cozy mystery covers because sometimes those are always like, you know, little bookstores with a cat or knitting needles yes. or a cross stitch or yes. Yeah. So because they're sweet and, you know, kind of colorful, once again, illustrated covers, they get um, put down. So, well, and then along with the cover, you have the titles. Now, some people fully and fully embrace these titles. There are some really funny um, steamy titles that play off of um, innuendos mm-hmm. And those can be a lot of fun, but of course people look at the titles and that's when you have to tell people the title and it's like, oh, what are you reading? Oh, um, Surrendering to Two Dragon Shifters, <laughs> you know, which I don't know if that's a book. I made that up. So don't go look for that one because I know some people who would be like, yes, let me one click. <laughs> um, I made that up. The, so you've got these titles and I, and you should be able to say title it whatever you want mm-hmm. um but you get the steamy titles and then you get the cutesy titles and then you get especially in the cozy mysteries there's the punny titles mm-hmm. you know yeah. and 
what I'd like to say too about titles is a lot of times authors aren't picking their own titles. Titles are a marketing thing. Yes. So that is the marketing department and the promotions and stuff that affect titles. So a lot of my titles, I might've sent in a big list of titles and they pick from them and other times I'll change them completely. Um, so sometimes I love my titles. Sometimes I don't as much. Um, I will not call out which ones, but you know, but it is when people ask me what I was writing, especially early on when I was writing the erotic romance and they're like, well, what's your book called? And I'm like, it's called melt into you. <laughs> so, you know, which is an awesome book, by the way, that's <laughs> one of my favorites. Thanks. But yeah, the title is to let readers know it's a signal to let readers know this is a sexy book, or this is a fun book, or this is a cozy mystery. So that's the only reason it's there. And people shouldn't be shaming people about it because it's just a marketing thing. But yes. Um, the next area is if a book has a taboo topic. So in romance there, it can go, you know, very sweet to very, very steamy. And on the far end of it is like dubious consent, um, which means what it means. <laughs> we'll yes. get into that. Um, non-human heroes or heroines, which dawn. I love my shifters. I am down with the shifters. And whenever we get into our recommendations later, I got some total non-humans for you. <laughs> And then uncomfortable topics. So I went through this recently because I read My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell, which is actually a very literary novel, but it has sexual abuse and grooming of a teen in it. Um, it's an extremely difficult read. And it's one that when I was reading it, I was like glad that I had read it, but I didn't know if I wanted to recommend it because it was such a tough read. But people would think, why are you reading something about the sexual grooming? But it's like, because it shows how easily um, a teen could be tricked into thinking she was consenting to something that she wasn't. But I had that moment of hesitation of, do I want to put this review on my blog? So because right. of what the topic is about. So even, even me who's in this industry, sometimes I still have that like little shame, uh, like, should I share this or not? Um, but yeah, taboo topics are the, probably the hardest one for me when I've had to deal with like shame. And I'm going to recommend some books later that are all taboo. So <laughs> I'm putting it out there, but um, and then another one is if a book is really dark. So I feel like dark only gets a bad rep if there's sex or a taboo topic involved in the darkness. So, or if it's labeled horror, otherwise dark books get a lot of positive attention. So all those thrillers and your gone girls mm -hmm. and all that are very dark, but, um, but they get positive attention because apparently murder is more acceptable than sex. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, well, and then you have the complete opposite side of that. If the book is for lack of a better word, if it's fluffy, mm -hmm. if it's just, a, I call them sometimes popcorn books, mm -hmm. uh, the books that they're really good and they're really tasty, but there's not a lot of depth to them. Mm -hmm. And it is just for you to have a little escape for a while. Mm -hmm. It's a Gilmore Girls episode. It's yes. Just, yeah. Just say, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to enjoy this. And especially we've talked before about when reading certain books for, works for you. If you're in a horribly traumatic time in your life, those fluffy books are great. Mm -hmm. Or if you're already in a really happy time in your life and you don't want to be brought down, those fluffy books are great. Yeah. So, and then you can get into reading young adult or reading middle grade as an adult. And we mm -hmm. talked about this a little bit on a previous episode of that can be great because you've got the comfort of rereading. You've got, um, a little bit of distance and a different perspective there. And sometimes, and, and YA can have some serious angst in it. Oh, so sometimes sure. it's, it's not a full escape from the angst, but it's a different level of angst. Right. 
And reading is reading. And that's why reading YA or middle grade as an adult is fine. Reading fan fiction, if that floats your boat, that is awesome. I agree. And my kind of fluffier category is celebrity memoirs, reality TV stars, gossipy books, those kinds of books. Um, Especially if the person that the memoir is about is not some like super serious lauded, you know, celebrity, they can, they're considered like trashy books or whatever and, or gossipy. I'm here for everybody's story. I think everybody has something to share. And so even if they played some silly character as a side, you know, character on a show, they might've had a really difficult life or they might have really good insight into different things. So I'm not going to judge them because, you know, they weren't Anthony Hopkins, you know, or something. (laughs) I'm I'm interested. I want to know like that the busy Phillips um, memoir that I recommended in the previous episode, or I read Jessica Simpson's memoir. Like I'm interested in people's stories. So I was a therapist. I just like hearing people's stories. And I don't think a memoir has to always be dark and brooding and so serious about what they learned. You know, it can just be fun. So, and then my last category is self-help. So a lot of times on Goodreads, you might not want to put up the books that you're reading to help with your anxiety or help with depression or just, you know, any of those self-helpy type books. But I love a self-help book. So I am all about the nonfiction self-help and I have a lot of recommendations for you later, but I think if you're trying to, if you're struggling with something and if you're, or you're trying to improve something, like there's no better place than to go to a book to do it. And we're all struggling with something. We all go through things. So there shouldn't be any embarrassment about the fact that, Hey, you deal with depression and this book might help you, or you deal with anxiety attacks and this one might help you. So no shame for the reading because self-help means you're trying to help yourself, which there's no, there should be no shame about that. Like you're, you're trying to make your life better. Well, and I think sometimes in popular media, they perpetuate that stereotype because you have the single girl who's desperate to get a date and they show her apartment and there's shelves of finding a man, how to catch a man, that kind of thing. And then at some point in the montage, she always dumps that in the trash and realizes Mm -hmm. that she needs to go on. And so I think that adds to the idea of if you're turning to this kind of book, well, then there's something wrong with you Mm -hmm. rather than what it should be of you're taking steps to take care of yourself. Yes. And I grew up on Oprah. So I'm all about (laughs) the self, the self-care and the self-help. So yeah, get your books. Don't be ashamed of those. And Don, you had one more category in this one. Right. I wanted to talk a little bit about graphic novels and comic books, because again, we know my superhero obsession, but reading is reading. And so if you have a reluctant reader and um, graphic novels, as far as dork diaries, diary of a wimpy kid, um, I won't say which child, but one of my children, children was very into manga. That's reading. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter that there's pictures there. And if you want to read that as an adult, go for it. Yeah. And there's been a huge, huge push of graphic novels lately for adults that are really high quality, you know, beautiful books. So yeah, that's absolutely reading. And I have a reluctant reader at my house and Diary of a Whippy Kid has saved us many a time because that is the books that he will read and he gets excited about. So, and then The next topic is these were like shames, shame about the topics or the things that the books are about, but there's a whole nother area of shame too, that we've seen is shame over not sharing the crowd's opinion. So you love a book that critics hate, or they're panning as trash, you know, or they're saying is mommy porn or whatever, but you're like, it's my favorite book ever. (laughs) You know, I mean, (laughs) how many of us were shamed 10 years ago when we liked Twilight? 
Like I can raise my hand. People were like, I can't believe anybody reads that. And I was like, here for all the twilight, please all bring on all the books. <laughs> I have read all of them. I am firmly team Jacob and I will fight you. <laughs> so, and this not sharing the crowd's opinion can take on a couple of different ways. So you can hate a book that other people love, um, or they laud as, you know, great literature. And I run into this all the time, not necessarily the great literature one, but just hating a book that other people love. <laughs> so I tend to have a contrary opinion about a lot of books. Um, you know, so I don't feel shame about that, but some people do if like all your friends are talking about how great this book was. And then you're like, I really didn't love it. Um, yeah. Or not liking a book that's not well-written because Dawn, does it have to always be well-written? It doesn't because, and I don't want to list out any books that come to mind because we, when we started this, we agreed we are not going to discourage anybody's work, but there's some books you're just in it for the story Mm -hmm. because the story is so intriguing and the story sucks you in that even though, okay, the characterization is not as strong as it could be, or that comma is way out of place. That doesn't matter. I am completely out of my living room, not surrounded by laundry that needs to be folded off in this other world. And we are good. Yeah. For me, well-written means I forget that it's writing. So, because I am a very, you're an editor, I'm a writer, obviously we critique everybody's stuff as we're reading it. So if a book lets me turn off that part of my brain that I'm not thinking about it, um, then that's well-written to me, whatever that is. So yes, if a book has a ton of grammatical errors and stuff, then probably I'm putting it down because I am picky um, about grammar and stuff. But there are so many books that I can think of that I got lost in and I could tell you like they made this mistake in that plot arc and they did this, but it was like, there was something about their style or something about the character that they wrote that just pulled me in. And so if I enjoy it and it's not, you know, going to win a Pulitzer, that's fine. There's no shame, no shame. But if you're dealing with this, if you've had this in your life or your, you have your hidden book list, you won't share it on Goodreads because you don't want your friends or your, you know, school people that you know, or whatever at your job, um, don't want them seeing what books you read. How can you kind of be proud and, and get rid of the reader shame? Well, and I think one of the things to start off with is to get a little mad about that mm-hmm. because you get to do what you want to do. And if it's bringing you joy, it's nobody else's business. Right. And book banning has not had a positive history, you guys. So (laughs) saying you can't read something for any reason at all uh, has not, has not gone well in history. So let's not be that person who's like, you shouldn't read that. And then, like I mentioned earlier, my psychology background is going to rear its ugly head again, but romance is actually prescribed sometimes to people who are having arousal issues. So they are therapeutic. Um, writer Sherry Thomas, who knows how to write a book, you guys, if you want to find mm-hmm. a good historical romance, Sherry Thomas is wonderful. Um, but she has an article that we'll link in the show notes about how romance novels helped her fight her way out of postpartum depression. So she found an outlet in that and, you know, kind of devoured all these novels and it got her out of a really dark place. So it's a great article. And then there's another article in, on Book Riot called Navigating Depression with the Help of Romance Novels by Caroline Sucucci, I think, or Siucci. And she has a quote in there that I love. I'm going to read to you. Um, Romance novels were hopeful. Romance novels were about women who wanted a lot of things, made no excuses for going after them. They told me that there is real love and friendship in the world, sweetness that could be found if I only looked close enough. They told me that if I hung in there, if I kept fighting and didn't give up, I too might end up with a life I loved. It told me that maybe in time I could even grow to like myself. Every time I finished a novel, I felt energized. 
If the heroine could beat murderers, scheming coworkers, or wrathful Celtic gods, then I could damn well face my own misbehaving neurons. So I highly encourage you to read the whole article. Um, it's really, you know, inspiring, but I'm telling you all this, and I'm also going to tell you, it doesn't have to have a therapeutic reason. So just because they do work that way, that's not, that's not the only thing that makes them not shameful. You can just like them. So yes. you can be happy as a clam, not dealing with any depression or anything, and just like reading them. So, um, we're busy and those kind of books can give us a break. It can remind us that happiness, you know, exists, that sex exists, that, you know, romance and all of that stuff that, you know, kind of gets lost in the shuffle of life sometimes just because we're doing so many things. Um, it can bring you back to that. So plus we're grownups, if you haven't noticed, and if you're listening to this, you should be a grownup. Yes. <laughs> if you are not a grownup, push stop. <laughs> push stop. Um, but we're re- allowed to read about adult things. So why do we judge people for cheesy romance novels? Yet every show, every show that's, you know, a TVMA now has really sexy stuff in it and full out love scenes and things. So we're okay watching those. We don't apologize for those. Um, people are watching Outlander and True Blood and the Bridgertons and, all, and, you know, the Bridgertons is based on romance novels. Outlander is based on a romance novel, even though I think Diana Gabaldon doesn't consider it a romance novel, but it's a romance novel. Um, (laughs) it's one of the best romance novels of all time so I don't see why if we watch it on tv all of a sudden it becomes a shameful thing if we're reading it but you know well and I think it's important to point out talking about using this for therapeutic reasons you're not saying that it is the only therapy you're not saying that it's a magic cure for depression it's something that can help yes absolutely if you are truly suffering with depression and anxiety obviously talk to your doctor and therapist and all of that. This is just, I think all of us have times in our life that we need a boost and it could be a big thing that's going in our life. It could be a small thing. And sometimes the comfort of reading can be just the thing to kind of, you know, help give us that boost. And your stress relief may look like books when other people's looks like bungee jumping or rock climbing. So I don't judge people for getting on the side of a mountain and risking their lives and, you know, hanging off the side of a rock if that does it for them, if that's, Oh, I absolutely do judge them for that, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, So if I get my stress relief from like a really, you know, over the top horror novel or a steamy enemies to lovers romance, then, you know, you do the rock and I will read my celebrity memoir by somebody from Dawson's Creek. (laughs) So it's fine. We can all be happy. Well, and we need to talk about if you have people in your life who are judging you, because I was teasing, I'm not going to judge you if you're going to go jump off of, that's your business. I'm not going with you at all. But and I think that works both ways. I'm not going to go with you to go jump off the bungee cord. You don't have to read these books. Right. What I'm reading is my business and you don't have to tell them. You don't, if you know that there's somebody in your life that as soon as you mention that you're reading a book that has the shirtless man on the cover, you know what the reaction is going to be, then you just steer the conversation in another direction. <laughs> right. And you can do things if you really are in a situation that, you know, you wouldn't feel comfortable sharing the books that you are reading. You can make a Goodreads account with a pen name or a moniker. You can you know, read on your Kindle so nobody can see what cover it is. A lot of people do that, especially um, romance readers, because they're so voracious. They read so many books that they want to have them all on their Kindle. Um, so that can, you know, keep it from other people. If you really are in a place in your life that it would cause you problems. You know, I know that not everybody has the luxury of, 
hey, mom, I write erotic romance. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> and having like, your mom go, that's fantastic. Like I had. So I know that not everybody's in that same situation. But Dawn, I think it's important that you find your people though. So even if you're kind of in hiding, that you find your people um, that you can share things with. Yes, because there's this magical moment when you attentively mention to somebody, you know, hey, what are you reading? Oh, this bear shifter menage romance. And your friend's eyes light up and they're like, oh my God, is it by this person? Have you read this one? Do you know there's one with alligators? And um, I absolutely have a friend like that, that her and I, whenever we get together with a group of our other friends, her and I either end up getting there early or staying late, just so we can talk about the crazy stuff we're reading and really enjoy it with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't hide what I do for a living. So anytime I go to the dentist or the doctor or the massage therapist or whoever, and they say, Hey, what do you do? I say, I'm a writer. And what are the, in the next question is always, what do you write? And I write romance and yeah, I get usually two reactions. So it's either, Oh, really? What do you write? What a la 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 la. Can I get it? Da, da, da. You know, Cause that means, Hey, I found another reader who likes these kind of books or dead silence or like, that's cool, you know, but <laughs> so those are the people that judge the romance, the ones who are like, oh, okay. And the other ones are the ones who are our people. So yes. I'm not going to hide it. If somebody wants to judge me for what I do, cool. Their problem, not mine. Um, so I, I tell people that, yeah, I can usually tell the readers instantly because as soon as I say I'm a writer, I get a different reaction from a reader than I get from somebody who's not reading. So um and at the end of the day, we've given you a lot of reasons why you should be able to read what you read, but you don't need to overanalyze the why. So I overanalyze everything. It's just who I am. That's why I have your articles about therapy and how they're therapeutic and all of that, or that horror novels give anxious people relief. Like I have whole research books on that because I wrote it into my book. What if you and me, um, you don't need any of that. All you need to know is I like it. So you can read it because you like it. And that's yes. all that counts. So you don't need to justify to me or anybody else why you like what you like. Well, and that's always entertaining too. If you mention liking romance and somebody's like, oh, why do you read that stuff? And you're like, because I like it. Right, right. That can end the conversation really quick. Because it's good, because it's fun. Yes. Like you don't have to, you don't even have to answer. Just that's what I read. So yes, yeah. All right, you guys. So we've given you hopefully all the, you know, fuel you need to feel positive about whatever you read, whatever that looks like. And we are going to go ahead and embody that by giving our most shameless book recs and just announcing to the world that we read all of this stuff. So yes, um, Dom, why don't you kick us off with your first shameless rec? I'm going to start off with, I shamelessly love Omegaverse. And I've mentioned the Boundaryland series by Callie Rhodes in previous episodes and um, in case somebody's not who's new to the show doesn't know what a megaverse is, it is um, generally, I guess it would fall under erotic romance of there are alphas who are big bad people, not bad as in, well, sometimes they're bad people, <laughs> but they're generally physically bigger and tougher type people. There are betas, which are the normal people. And then there are a special kind of betas, which are omegas. And the omegas are the only ones who can breed with the alphas. And the omegas true nature isn't usually triggered until they encounter an alpha somehow. So I um, highly recommend the Boundaryland series for that. 
And because I, there is a new one coming out and this is where my job is great because I get to read these amazing books way far in advance, but then I can't talk about them. (laughs) So there is a new one coming out. I can't talk about it yet, but it is awesome. And we will be talking about it in our best of 2021 books that is going to be out sometime in December. So um, the one that I do want to recommend that I haven't talked about before is the Ice Planet Barbarian series by Ruby Dixon. And this is not really an, an Omegaverse book. This is Big Blue Aliens. And they're awesome. There is 21 books in the series. And this series kind of had a resurgent because some TikTok people got a hold of it and making TikToks about it. And so it blew up again. That's how I found out about it again. But it is the first book, which is just Ice Planet Barbarians, is about a girl who is kidnapped by aliens. It starts off, she's on this alien ship. She's been kidnapped by aliens. And her and some other women end up um, causing some issues. And then the alien ship crashes. They basically dump the cargo and they land on this ice covered planet And she is the one who is most equipped to go out to try to find help or to figure out where they are. And she encounters gigantic blue dude with horns who does not speak her language. Shenanigans ensues. We'll just leave it at that. Right. And we all know that I'm not going to uh, pick on any kind of strange (laughs) hero shape because I have already recommended a lizard hero to you guys. So, um, my recommendations, the next couple that I'm going to give are going to show my kinky writing roots. So I started writing um, erotic romance and it was in the BDSM world. So these are some old school recommendations um, in that genre. So my first one is Natural Law by Joey W. Hill. It's number two in the Nature of Desire, Desire series, but you can read it as a standalone. This would be labeled BDSM erotic suspense. So the cover on this one, you guys, is scandalous. So it's a mostly naked dude on his knees with his arms bound and his head bowed. So be warned if you're, you know, looking online and your kid's standing behind you. This one is a, a very steamy cover. Um, but the summary is that Mac Nighthorse is the hero, is a homicide detective who has to go undercover as a male submissive at a BDSM club to try to find a mistress who is murdering her partners but he ends up working with Violet, a mistress who is going to break through his own shields and teach him things about himself. So this is a male submissive story with a, you know, a female mistress. So BDSM, you guys, you know, that's bondage and um, dominance and all of those things. So, you know, if you're not, if you haven't read that before, this is a a big jump (laughs) into it, Um, but really well-written, very, very steamy and one of the steamiest covers ever. So if you want to try something, you know, that's going to steam up your Kindle. Try natural law. Well, and that goes into my recommendation, which is Bound by Eva Charles. Um, not quite what you think it's going to be from that title. <laughs> um, and you want to talk about a cover. Now, she has recently re-released these with different covers. So the cover is now, I think, a piece of rope or something. The original cover to this was a... naked man in a chair leaning backwards. It was awesome. But this is the third book in the Devil's Due series by Eva Charles. It can be read as a standalone. The first two books are a duet. 
And it helps if you know those characters, but it's really not required. You could absolutely read this as a standalone. And it is about one of my favorite characters from the duet, who is Smith. And Smith is the security for the Wilder family. And Kate is a journalist who wants to do a story on one of the Wilders. The Wilder family is from the duet. And one of the brothers is completely incapacitated. He was in a car accident when he was very, very young and is completely bedridden. And she wants to do a story on him. And Smith's job is to shut that down, basically escort her out of town. He ends up escorting her to his apartment, which happens to be above a sex club. Hey, when that happens. Very, very classy (laughs) sex club. And it's a good... I mean, I like the characters. I like Smith. I like the whole story. And I will, again, full disclosure, I edited this book. And when I was first talking to the author about editing it, because there are some sections of this book that do not show the church in a positive light, we had to have a very frank conversation before we started. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I need to know if you're comfortable with this. If you're not comfortable with that, that, that's fine. But I need to know going in. And I think that's something that we kind of skipped over too, is different beliefs and that kind of thing mm-hmm. can also impact feeling shameful about what you're reading. Sure. Yeah. And I highly recommend this book, but it is one of those things that I, there are certain people in my life, I would be like, okay, this is a great book, but you need to know this about the yeah. church. Right. And a lot of these books will have trigger warnings on them. So if you look, when you look them up on Amazon or whatever, you will see um, a lot of them will tell you like what, what kinds of things to make sure you're okay with. But um, my next one gets all the trigger warnings. So if you can tell by the title, it's called Willing Victim by Kara McKenna. It's a dark erotic romance where the hero and the heroine act out force fantasies. So I think this came out in 2010. I just looked it up and they have a new cover. So it's, it's been reissued, but it's a fantastically written book. It's about Laurel and Flynn. And with the force fantasies, I will say there's a big focus on consent. They have a safe word. So these are all really important things um, in these fantasies and no one's actually forced into anything that they didn't consent to, but it's a very dark premise that she wants to kind of, you know, have this kind of sexual play with him. So it can get pretty dark, but if you are looking for something that is well-written kink with, you know, the force fantasy in it, um, this one, you can't go wrong with this one. So all the trigger warnings though, you guys, so this is force fantasy. So, yeah. So going off of that, one of my favorite series is masters of the Shadowlands by Sharice Sinclair. And it is a series about a BDSM club. And again, all the trigger warnings there too, uh, because each book, I think there's like 15 books in it now. There's there's kink in it. There's BDSM. There is past trauma that people are trying to recover, but extremely well-written, great characterization. And when we were preparing for this episode and I was you know listing out all the books, I was like, oh, look, there's a new one. I don't have, click. <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't, I don't remember all of these but because I, I was reading them early on when I was just starting to write this, but that's a great series. It was one of the kind of original um, series when BDSM erotic romance got before the Fifty Shades. So before, when it was, you know, pre-Fifty Shades. My next one is Liberating Lacey by Ann Calhoun. So this one is about a 36-year-old divorcee who gets out of a bad marriage and decides to try to do some of the things she never tried in her marriage. So she has this really boring, dry, you know, 
loveless kind of marriage. And she ends up hooking up with Hunter, who is a 28 year old policeman, but this is just supposed to be a hookup, (laughs) but they can't walk away from each other. So they keep like planning these um, adventurous hookups. So even though Hunter knows that she's older and she's rich and she's more sophisticated and that she'll never see him as an option, but they keep kind of playing all of these sexual games and pushing all these limits that she never got to explore. And so it's a older woman, younger man trope for one. And then there is some forced fantasy in here too, but really, really well-written erotic romance. And one of the ones that I still remember, even though I've probably read it, I don't know, eight to 10 years ago. So um, Liberating Lacey by Ian Calhoun is that one. And I'm going to come full circle and recommend a different one with big blue aliens. (laughs) And this is um, Skymates is the name of the series. The two books, there's two books out right now. Um, Hawk is one, Falcon is the second one, and then um, Garak is the one that's coming out in December. And it's by Susan Grant. Excellent writing. And this is Top Gun meets Pacific Rim in space. The main character in Hawk, the book that starts the series, she works at a top flight school, just like Tom Cruise did in Top Gun. And they are pairing up with this alien race because the alien race has to mentally connect basically with somebody else to be able to power their ships. Hmm. And so they're looking, it's a faded mate type thing. They're looking for their mates who can pair up and be able to um, pilot their ships. It's not really a, um, I wouldn't necessarily, there's a steamy sex scenes in it. Definitely. But it's not really an erotic romance. It's more the joining of the two races. And it's interesting because the aliens speak English. And so unlike in the Ice Planet Barbarians, you get the play of the language there. But the play of the language in this is is more interesting because they speak English, but they speak it very formally and they don't understand idioms. Oh, and so there's some some fun parts there, but definitely has the great chemistry and has the flying parts. And yes, absolutely recommend that. I've only read Lizard Hero, so I feel like I need to read Alien Hero. I feel like you're you're selling me on these, Dawn. <laughs> the the Skybait one cover, just go look up the Hawk by Susan Grant because it is totally a big blue alien without his shirt on and <laughs> I am here for him. Clearly, I need blue aliens in my life. I'm missing out on, on this whole segment of reading that <laughs> yes, you I have are. not explored. <laughs> um, now taking a complete left turn. Um, <laughs> I'm going back to the reading books for your mental health. So I am obsessed with books about happiness. So I have some mood and anxiety things that I deal with, like so many of us do. Um, so I'm always looking for tips in the science and techniques and everything to help manage those things. So it makes me feel like I have some control and I'm helping myself and I can, you know, try different things. And I've had a lot of success with a lot of different things. So I feel, you know, very interested in all of these things that come out. So I'm going to go through these pretty quickly, but my first is the happiness project by Gretchen Rubin or anything that Gretchen Rubin writes. I'm a complete Gretchen Rubin fangirl. Um, of her podcast, of her books, of her blog, of everything. So she just, she's going into all kinds of different things. It's not deep, deep psychology, but she does do a lot of, you know, research and makes it very palatable for, you know, an everyday reader um, to read, but I just enjoy her whole vibe. And 
these would be good if you're used to listening to her on the podcast. These are good in audio. Um, and then this year I read Solve for Happy by Mo Gaudet. And he's a top engineer from Google and he applies like logic and science to tackle happiness. And he lost his son while he was doing this kind of research. So he had to put um, his, and I think his son was pretty young. So he had to put his theories to the test and that's in the book too. So trigger warning a little bit on you know that, but I gave this book five stars and um, found a lot of his research interesting. There was a chapter at the end that was got a little religious. That was a little, eh, not my favorite, um, but the rest of the book was totally five-star worth it. And then I'm a fangirl of Ryan Holiday. So he writes online about stoic philosophy and he has a bunch of books out there and he's got a blog. That's great. And, you know, really everything I've read by him has been great, but my favorite of his is stillness is the key. And it's this little book and it's essay forms. So each essay is usually just a couple of pages long, but it's about some part of history or some stoic philosophy applied to current life. And this one is focused on how to get still and quiet and, you know, kind of settle with yourself and not get caught up in all of the social media and all of these different things. So if I need like a reset, I'll go and pick up a Ryan holiday book. And then my last is the upward spiral by Alex Korb. So the subtitle of this one is using neuroscience to reverse the course of depression, one small change at a time. So I suffer with PMDD. So that means I have depression symptoms, usually about 10 days a month. And so this is why I picked up this book and it gave all these little tips about how you can kind of help your dopamine and all the different things that are involved in depression. And it feels empowering to me to read these kind of books. So I feel like there are things I can try and things I can do, and not all of them are going to work. And I will be the first to say I'm not in a deep, deep depression or anything. So if you, you know, are, you're going to need more than a book. Um, but I find these things very helpful and empowering to me. And always, if I'm in a rough time, picking up one of these kind of gives me a boost because it's like, here are some tools you can use to try some different things. So those are my four recommendations. And obviously they'll all be in the show notes so you can get the full descriptions of them since I kind of went through those quickly, but Dawn, we actually are already at our rad reading recs of the week. We've been picking on each other because our goal, our goal, you guys, is to have one hour episodes, <laughs> one hour. And <laughs> we tend to go an hour and a half lately. So we're, we talk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> So Dawn, and it's all Ronnie. It's not me. No, no, <laughs> it's just me. Um, so Dawn, what, what is your rad reading rec of the week? And just to remind you guys, if you haven't listened to us before, our rad reading recs are our best of the best. So these are our top recommendations that we put on our rad reading rec page on our website. And um, it's our favorite favorites. So Dawn, what is yours? You're going to add to our list today. So the one I'm adding to the list today is American Queen by Sierra Simone. First of all, gorgeous cover. Love the cover of this book. It's a just beautifully done. And it doesn't have a half-naked man on it at all. It's actually a woman on the cover. Isn't is it the blue, is it a blue dress? Is that yes? The, yes, I've seen that cover. It is yes. really pretty. Um, and this is a contemporary reimagining of the legend of King Arthur, Guinevere, and Lancelot. Hmm. So it, it's not a spoiler for you to know that it's a woman and two men. And um, one of the opening lines in it or it might be the opening line of the blurb, is my name is Greer Galloway and I serve at the pleasure of the president of the United States. Hmm. And so Greer is the main character and Ash is the president of the United States and Embry, who is his best friend, is the vice president of the United States. 
And some things are going on to where Greer and Ash knew each other when they were younger. And because of some things that are happening, Ash sends Embry to go get Greer because she needs to be with them. And it is, it is an erotic romance, super hot sex scenes with everybody. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Yay, Minaj. Um, yes. <laughs> and the main thing that I need to let you know, though, is great book, great sex scenes. Love it. It does end in a cliffhanger. It is the beginning of a five book series. The first three books are the ones that would wrap up that arc. And then there's two kind of, I don't really want to call them extras, but there's two like side stories that go with it. But you need to know the first book ends in a serious cliffhanger, but absolutely recommend it. I'm glad you recommended this one. I haven't read it, but I've read Sierra Simone and really like her writing. So I'm adding this to my list. Um, and we we didn't mention any Minaj books and I, you know, I wrote a couple of those. Those were some of my favorite to write. So I'm glad you got one in here. Uh, Minaj, meaning there are two <laughs> heroes usually uh, and one heroine, but it can be a mix of different genders too. Um, my rad reading wreck of the week. So I'm going old school this week, you guys. This is A Knight in Shining Armor by Jude Devereaux. So this was originally published in 1989, which I'm going to note is before Outlander um, because this is a time travel romance featuring a present day heroine and a dashing hero from the 16th century. So if you like Outlander and you like that whole person out of their own time romance, um, time travel romance was a whole genre. It still is, but like it went through a thing uh, back in the eighties and nineties. So it was um, a popular thing and I, I love them. So this is the story um, abandoned by a cruel fate. Lovely Douglas Montgomery lies weeping upon a cold tombstone in an English church. Suddenly the most extraordinary man appears. It's Nicholas, Nicholas Stafford, Earl of Thornwick. And according to his tombstone, he died in 1564. So drawn to his side by a bond so sudden and compelling it overshadows reason, Douglas knows that Nicholas is nothing less than a miracle. A man who does not seek to change her, who finds her perfect, fascinating, just as she is. What Douglas never imagined was how strong the chains are that tie them to the past or the grand adventure that lay before them. So this was called a glorious love story that spans centuries, worlds, and souls. Um, what I wrote in my Goodreads, this is back in 2013. So this was before the book journal, AKA BB before, or BBJ, um, before book journal. So this is what I wrote. So epic. And I did that as two sentences. Cause you know, I'm dramatic adored this book. I picked it up because so many people had mentioned it as one of their, one of their favorites from the eighties. And I'm so glad I trusted those recommendations. I've been obsessed with reading this book over the past few days, unable to put it down. I love the history woven in, but mostly I couldn't get enough of the hero and heroine. I love romances that span time and place. I kept thinking, how are these two people going to possibly work this out and be together? It's impossible. And I love when a romance can do that to me, when I know I'm guaranteed a happy ending because it's a romance, but still doubt and worry that it's going to end happily. Read this. That is all. So I stand by that review back from back in 2013. I mean, it's called A Knight in Shining Armor, so you can't get a more classic romance title no, than that. That's um, and it holds up. So even though it's an older, you know, retro romance, I just love the whole thing of like, they live in two different times and how are they ever going to work it out? And, uh, I just want to go read it again now. <laughs> you can probably find this one in a used bookstore. So if you're looking for, um, a retro copy, you can probably find this one, but that was a knight in shining armor by Jude Devereaux. All right. We have made it to the end of our episode. And I think we're close to an hour. I think we, I think we did. I think we kept it under an hour. So we want to thank y'all for listening. 
and ask you to please subscribe and share and rate us. Again, you don't even have to use words. Just click the little stars. That makes us happy. If you want to use words, we love words, words are but great. stars are good too. <laughs> yes. And if you want to share and be shameless with us, come share your shame, you know, that you felt in the past, come share your books with us. If you're reading blue aliens, if you're reading threesomes, if you're reading murdery books, if you're reading cozy mysteries where there's always a cat, like come tell us we're going to, there's a no shame zone on our website, um, on our Facebook page. So you can find that at rad reading podcast. And we also have, you know, all of our show notes, like I said, on our radreadingpodcast.com. And this is our last episode before Thanksgiving. So if you live in America, we wish you a lovely Thanksgiving holiday. And what are we going to be doing next week, Dawn? Next week is our read, watch, listen for November. So we will be talking about everything that we've been reading, what we've been watching TV books and movies and what we've been listening to. Yes. So please join us next week. And we hope that until next time you read everything that's shameless. (laughs) Yes. All the shameless reading. And we hope that every book you pick up is rad reading. Thanks you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.